the NFL Podcast is ready for the playoffs. Well, we better be. I mean, started like five days ago. If we're not right. ready for the playoffs, I don't know what what's going to go down. We're still at the bus station. Come on. Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis, Heroes. That's Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Looking like Han Solo, according to Mark Sessler. Laser Saber. Take it out, baby. Zing, right. zing, well, zing. All right. I don't understand how you don't understand that he's not part of any sort of laser, laser saber scenario. But if you're watching this on YouTube, Greg has the Han Solo from the original Star Wars look with like the kind of crisp white shirt underneath the black vest. Uh, at least that's how it looks to me. And I, I, um, I think it could... He'd do well on ho- like a Halloween night as like a daddy going out as Han Solo. I don't know what's happening below what I see on the screen, but I no mean, I, yeah, I've got some sweatpants on. We're we're at home. Uh, I just know this is the highest compliment Mark's ever given me, <laughs> and that Mark's never wanted me more physically than than right now in this. Moment. Oh yeah, that's all accurate. It's also, accurate. I don't know where Emika stands on that whole franchise, but you can like. Maybe take it back to the house after the show and be like, ah, I'm not your father. Ah, ah. Zing, zing, zing. You are, you're, your Star ability to, to capture the narrative of that uh, franchise is appallingly low. Seriously, I how think long? It's, I think it's a, um, a brand for you. Like, how many times did Simone have to say, no, I'm not going to role play Star Wars until you just gave it up and just figured that's not going to be my life? Well, why do you assume that she said no? I was going to oh, say. Ooh, good answer. How do you know? Oh, you yeah. really think Mark oh, yeah. would marry a woman oh, yeah. that didn't go oh, down yeah. that road? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, this is all very inappropriate, it's, uh, especially at the top of the show. Uh, yes, this is pound for pound. The greatest week of football of the calendar year. Divisional playoffs. We got rid of all that trash. Let's Let's talk about the trash we got rid of. The Cardinals, Ugh. Bye the bye. Steelers, are you kidding me? Eagles, Fugazi. <laughs> oh, they're all gone. Patriots, a sneaky bit of trash. Patriots didn't, didn't know yep. they were trash, but they were. Cowboys, Ow. come on, Cowboys. They gone. Cowboys, flat track bullies. <laughs> What's left? Studs. Like. Greg Rosenthal in a brown jacket that reminds Mark of a fantasy movie franchise. Is this sci-fi? Sci-fi. I mean, I think maybe you, instead of, you know, taking minutes out of the show asking these questions, you could do eight minutes of research and be as up to snuff as possible for any comment I would make about I'm just going to tell you, and maybe, maybe little people are in the dark here. Mark is a Star Wars fanatic. He no, tries I'm to not. pretend that he's not, but he's the guy that's at the theater the, the night it opens. It doesn't matter which of the 700 sequels it is. I want to say this, Mark, as someone that is ignorant to it, obviously, I have put it out there that you and your little Star Wars buddy Zumwalt I was open to sitting down and watching the best one of them, whatever it was. And I and you guys never took me up on it. So now I'm mm. like a rebel fighter, like a um, Darth Maul figure. Nailed you, it. So you definitely know more than than uh, Dan Hansen. Shout out. Thank you. Paul I, you're right. We we uh, didn't do a good job on that uh, invitation because I think it happened not too far before a national pandemic struck the country. So we could we could reinvestigate that hangout. Okay. All right. That's enough Star Wars for today. Yes, it is. 
We're going to get to all the games. Bengals, Titans, Niners, Packers, Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs. Any of those teams can win the Super Bowl. And that's why this week has the potential to be a real special divisional round playoff. Let's start with the AFC. Let's start with the team boys um, that everyone's going to be rooting for, unless you're in the Nashville, uh, greater metro area, the Cincinnati Bengals, who come off that win at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Huge feel-good win for the entire region, for the fan base. And you got that. You're handing out game balls throughout the city as the head coach. But now you have to turn your attention and get ready for the number one seeded Titans. And Mark, the the Titans are well-rested. They are a team that was playing much better down the stretch. They're a team that probably will have Derrick Henry back. Although, as we're taping this, we don't have a a certainty on that, which perhaps is a little surprising. Um, And perhaps most importantly on some level, Nashville's in their own building, their own backyard. What are your thoughts about this game? Well, I, you know, I think for number one, like Derrick Henry smiled at reporters when they asked him um, on Thursday if he would uh, be available. I, I tend to think that we're heading towards getting Derrick Henry. What version, what version of Derrick Henry we get, uh, that's, I guess that's the mystery a little bit. I mean, they've run the ball real well without him. I just think that they're a team that you look at their offensive line, um, it's like no matter who's in there, they've been a good run blocking team, and I trust that to be the case against the Bengals, who are missing Larry Ogunjobi. Um, Mike Daniels, I know he's not played a huge role for them, but they're just they're a little low on bodies right now. Uh, it sounds like Trey Hendrickson will be back. Um, and on flip side for the Titans, it's like this Titans team finally, this is the team we've waited for. They're back. They got here through, I think, valiant play with a lot of challenges, another a team coached by someone other than Mike Rabel in that situation. Um, I don't think that would have happened. That's who the Titans are. They've been real resilient. But they're going to have to find a way to do to stop what Cincinnati does best. I mean, they're just a big play operation on offense. We understand that Joe Burrow has morphed into a total star. And you look at Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I think it puts a lot of pressure on Kevin Byard, who's been awesome at safety, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, you look at Christian Fulton. How do you stop these wide receivers? If you can do that and you, you get Cincinnati into what happened last week with the Raiders, where no matter the field position, they were having to kick field goals against a Raiders defense. Can this Titans defense with Jeffrey Simmons and the rest of those guys up front put Joe Burrow into a tough situation and, and, and put a clamp on some of these wideouts who have a chance to break the game wide open? Yeah, you do it. You do it by getting that pressure quickly. It. Paul Daner talked about it. The the weakness is their interior offensive line. It's pretty bad offensive line in general, especially on the right side. Who is it? Prince and um, Billy Prince and whoever's next to him at right guard. Like they were a mess last week. They've been a mess most of the season. And the Titans are so good at creating mismatches and doing the stunts and putting Autry on the inside and just given you a lot to look at. And that's one big advantage I think the Titans have in this game is coaching. Just because I think Mike Vrabel's been in playoff games. This is their third straight season in the playoffs. And even in the regular season, I think one of the strengths of this team, especially this year under Shane Bowen, their new defensive coordinator, doesn't get a lot of love. They say he's the final play caller. Well, they improved a lot on defense this year. And one thing they do is they change their game plan week to week. They are very much like the Patriots. The Titans have been waiting for this game. And I think they're going to throw some things at Joe Burrow, much like um, happened during the year at, at various points. 
and I think slowed down their passing. I don't think you're going to stop them, but I think they're going to have to adjust. And do I trust Zach Taylor and that coaching staff to adjust as much? Maybe not. Well, that that is a uh, narrative thread of this podcast, at least this week. Um, Greg banging the drum that Zach, Zach Taylor is maybe not cut out for this. I Here, I, I think the Cook Index uh, that we talked about with Paul, the um, Mike Sando Cook Index on The Athletic, tells me that, yes, they have made changes to how they attack uh, the opponents. They they love to get out front quick. They're going to try to jump down Tennessee's throat, take control of the game that way. And I know the idea that the Titans are being overlooked and marginalized is fair on some level, and maybe I've played a small role in that as well. But at the same time, the way the Bengals have been able to kind of dictate the flow of all of these games uh, throughout Week 18 um, – really tells me that they're the team to watch here. That I think mm. the, the Titans, as the number one seed, are deserving of respect, but the Bengals are the team that feels like there's an orange wave here right now. And, I, and that's why I feel good about them right now because I don't think their offense is going to go there and get shut down. I just think it's one of those things where they're playing with such confidence and the quarterback's playing at such a high level that I think Tennessee, as good as the defense is, is really going to struggle to to get home and in a way that's going to wreck the game plan. So I think Cincinnati scores points. Now, does that mean Cincinnati wins? No. Then it goes back to the offense of the Titans. Obviously, uh, Derrick Henry is a huge part of this. We he's got to be out there. The, the video they showed on NFL Network, he's, he, he's in his shorts. Well, he's running around. He's that's dancing. Only one he's part moving of it, fast. Yeah, I assume that he'll play as well. I, we just have to say when we tape this, it's not official. But he probably will be out there. How much do they use him? I'm really curious what kind of workload he is. Do you, he has a metal plate in his foot. Hasn't played in nine weeks. So is it going to be a situation where you're like, oh yeah, take everything the Titans have, but now I added Derrick Henry. Well, what version of Derrick Henry is it? Cause they're going to, I think they're going to need to score. Let's say 28 points in this game. They're going to 27 to 30 points. I don't know if they have that in them because we just haven't seen it enough hmm. over the last two months. Foreman can do it. Who needs Derrick Henry? It's They've been point, very good. Though. Foreman and Hilliard have been very good, but they haven't been home run guys the way Henry can be. I just I struggle to see them scoring points here. In it's a, a great point, but I wonder. I guess like even if he's out there, and, and the Bengals don't know what version of Derrick Henry it's going to be either, and so they're going to have to take him real seriously. So the fact that he's on the field, like it changes the way the defense for the Bengals can just approach this entire offense. I mean, not that Donta Foreman hasn't also punctured defenses and run wild the last month or so. He's been awesome. So I don't think that it's like suddenly you have a running game. We all get that's not the case, but. If it's Derrick Henry at his best, the Bengals have big issues, I think, on their defense. But if it's Derrick Henry as more of a decoy-type person, it still creates problems because you can't just ignore him until you really find out later in the game, maybe this guy's not the guy that we thought he was at this point. And I've also looked, if you look at Titans games where they've stumbled and had an issue, when they've ever caused like a big turnover from Derrick Henry, that has turned some games totally south for them. I'm not saying that, you know, that will happen or not, but I mean, there is pressure on Ryan Tannehill in this game too, I think, to, you know, probably step up and do, to make some big plays because I don't love Julio Jones at this point. A.J. Brown's going to be huge for them and it puts pressure on the Bengals' defense. See, I, I, if I'm ranking the, the four sides in this game, the offenses and the defenses, the worst group in the game is the Bengals' defense. And the best group is yeah. the Bengals' offense. So to me, they, they have the strengths, they have the weaknesses. They, they sort of go as Logan Wilson goes. Logan Wilson has had 
an awesome season. And Wilson and Pratt were were great as a tandem a week ago. But the the Titans with their play action and certainly their running game, they put a lot of stresses on linebackers. To me, it feels like a Ferkser game. It could be a Julio Jones game. I was very encouraged by his Week 18 performance. To, to me, that was as hopeful, I feel like, for Titans fans as Derrick Henry returning because he looked healthy, because he moved well, because he was smooth. He caught five passes. They made it a priority to get him involved against Houston, and you could just see he was moving well in that game. Now, does that mean he's not going to get injured in the first quarter? I, I don't know, but it actually it looked like the best that he looked since week two, and he's got a real quarterback because Tannehill, like – Maybe we don't give the Titans enough credit, but I give Tannehill a lot of credit. I've really enjoyed watching him play this year. If you look at his rankings in PFF over the last three seasons, this is where Tannehill finished. Ninth this year, seventh, and third. This is a real deal dude. In a great situation, and that helps those rankings, who's been in the playoffs, who's got weapons, uh, they, he doesn't have a good offensive line, and I, I think that's where they could, you know, they could have a problem in terms of getting pressure on him, and then he makes a mistake. But he's a real quarterback. It's not like it's Joe Burrow for, versus uh, Joe Blow. Ryan, yeah, Tannehill. I, mean, I totally Tannehill's agree with you the best that. reclamation project out there, quarterback wise, right now. I, I think you know, I think he's almost long since like advanced past even that characterization. I think he's now. I think he, yeah, he's obviously on the right side of the Dalton line. You could say he's like a top 10 guy. I kind of put him in the back end of the top 10. And he wasn't, and a lot of this had to do with his supporting cast and injuries, of course. But if you look at things like his passer rating, for instance, he was over 100 three times in the first 14 games. Uh, but he, the, each of the last three games, he finished over 100, and that's completely tied to uh, A.J. Brown getting healthy, Julio Jones getting healthy, the running game continuing to deliver even without Derrick Henry. So, yeah, I think also with Tannehill, which gets slept on maybe a little bit, is he's battle-hardened at this point. This is not a guy – this isn't the lamb in Miami. This is a guy that's been through the, the battles now in January and has stepped up in the past. So I'm looking forward to seeing – um, the the quarterback matchup for sure. I, I think Burrow obviously has the edge because the way he's playing. Oh, but yeah. Tannehill is, I'm with you, shouldn't be slept on here. Well, and Tannehill, like they would have lost that Week 18 game, I think, to Houston had Tannehill not made one of the key escapes and throws in that whole affair. I mean, he is beloved by his teammates because if you want to rank quarterbacks, that's fine. But quarterbacks by toughness, I mean, he has got to be top five. I think that he has done a couple things over the last couple of years that sets him apart. I never saw that in Miami. He is just a totally different dude. And, I mean, this thing, I think the Titans have to look at this and say, everyone in the country either doesn't think we're going to win or they're rooting for the Bengals. Well, maybe we take a hammer and stick it in your head. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm rooting for the Bengals because of, of West, because it's a fun story, because of all that. But I'm worried about this game. And I, I don't know, if ever, is everyone going to be picking the Bengals? If anything, I, I feel like Titans minus three and a half is going to be one of the more popular just betting picks of the weekend. Because on paper, it just really feels like the two lines are, are an advantage for the Titans. And the coaching staff's an advantage. And you're just counting on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to almost drag a team by themselves to the next round, which is totally possible at this point. Like, the the maturation Chase has shown being able to take any route last week. It wasn't about going deep. Like, those two guys are enough, and the skill position guys are enough for the Bengals to possibly win a game. It's not like the Titans are some unbeatable team. But logically, I think they're the better team. I really do. I got to throw something else out there. And it becomes very important in the divisional playoffs, kickers. Ooh. When these teams are n- closely matched, 
uh, and it might be decided by a field goal. Evan McPherson is having one of the better rookie seasons by a kicker that we've seen in recent years. Tennessee's got big bone Randy Bullock. Could be a thing. Keep an eye on <laughs> yeah. it. I and listen, we we joke about it, but keep an eye on that. The weather looks pretty good. I checked the weather in Tennessee. It's supposed to be clear with a little bit of wind, but sunny uh, this weekend. So you got that's calmed down. But I think it's a field goal game ultimately. And I think if I had to, if it was like someone, you know, put a gun to my head and said, "You better get this right," which sounds horrific. Can you? It's not imagine? a good situation. Can you imagine watching that game. Um, also, I'd just be like, call, I'd call the police if it was possible, right? If, if you right. were able to. Well, this it wouldn't is, be. Yeah, this you, is, Dan would be in a basement somewhere. In this yeah, it's a, no I imagine film, a basement no cops, you know. scenario. I, I'm yeah. really in a tough spot, tough sitch in a big spot. Um, <laughs> uh, I know I, I was saying earlier that Tennessee could struggle to get to that magic 27, but I can't rule it out. Like I would might I might say Tennessee, but at the same time, like. I'm you picked the Raiders Bengals, yeah. last week. We saw that. We saw that. You know, we well, no you know, loyalty yeah. to the ATN Bengals. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that was a lack of loyalty, and and maybe I'll, I'll root for them. But I, maybe Tennessee does win twenty seven twenty six. That would be Ooh. my pick. It's threading the needle. What I have to admit, got? I I picked the Titans online. As much as I want to pretend I'm rooting for the Bengals, and I and I, but I I picked the Titans because. I am rooting for them and picking them on this show would be it'd be like me picking the Patriots last week. It's like I'm going to do it because that's what I want. But do I really believe it? No, not not particularly. This they have a much better chance, though, than I believe the Patriots did uh, a week ago. It, it feels like a field goal type of game to me, too. I am picking the Bengals to win 23 um, 20. But I will note that last week. Um, I make these picks for these eight YouTube videos from the NFL. I picked one in almost every game. I picked team a on that uh, format team B on this podcast. Then on our network show went in totally different directions. So it's, it's a, I don't understand. Are you, are you acting like you're breaking news right now? You've been doing that. Like well, that's been the move. Company, I, the, like the entire I was time. thinking of doing I don't a Mark like thing to. too. It's like, Oh, I'll pick the Bengals on the podcast, but on the, on the site, I, I'm going to pick the Titans, but that's silly. That's just, uh, that's being, well, it uh, renders your pick meaningless, right? It's okay. being dishonest. Ultimately, I believe the Titans are going to win. And I want all the Wesleyan brothers and everyone to come after me when I'm wrong, because I, I truly will be rooting for them. Uh, I think we're going to try to watch <laughs> this game together. Uh, with Keisha, that that's going to be exciting, and I think we're going to be flying the the orange. Sorry, Graver, is Graver around? Is Graver here? So just say say hello. Oh, there he is. About how he's feeling. What do you think about this, Graver? Well, I just feel a little like weird and nervous because the Bengals are like the team of ATL. It feels like, and I'm over here as a Titans fan. You're so. an enemy. Yeah. yeah. Enemy well, your team right is now. not, you know, we, we we also have enjoyed talking with you about the Titans each week. There's no animosity necessarily. <laughs> so where do you I mean, come and down? You know who was game? the biggest Titans fan on this podcast over the years by far was Chris Wesseling. Uh, he he, yes, he, he bucked back. Uh, uh, Dan calling them the Titans. Big Mariota guy. And he pretty much transitioned right into Tannehill. So, you know, he, he would have enjoyed this team. What do you think? I do feel Braver. I feel good about the Titans' chances. I mean, like Greg was saying, I think they're just a, the better team. But the Bengals' playmakers on offense, like in the playoffs, playmakers come and win games. That's where games are won and lost. So we'll see how Titans can handle that. Give us a score. And I got Titans 33, Bengals 30. Ah, Gravedigger wow. seems uh, tangibly nervous. You seem tangibly <laughs> yeah, You don't even have them covering the spread. Not a lot of confidence here in Titans' corner. Well, 
it opened That's okay. At He's being three, honest. Now it's three and a half. I know. Yeah. He, you yeah. know, this is when you, if you, I, it's only happened to me twice in my life, but like when your team gets to the divisional playoffs and you know, you understand if you win this game, you're in the final four. You are, you are this close to the Super Bowl. So if they can get over the hump here. Uh, Graver is going to be feeling good, but there's been times this season where Graver has been just on fire with confidence. Not sensing right, it that's here. That's what I'm saying. We'll see. Maybe it's a sign of things going on differently in his private life. I know we're not supposed to. Oh, talk that could about be. No, that we could can't be talk about that. that. Okay, no, we that. can't talk about that. That could change. Although, how is everything? In, Everything's very good in vague terms. <laughs> mm. So that's not a. That wouldn't be the major factor. There's not been a change in the water there. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, negatively changed, no. Just vaguely <laughs> and vague. Any like paperwork filed in any capacity? Lawyers are involved. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. What a story. You know, all you have to do, like the old journalistic uh, inverted uh, pyramid, sometimes with gravy, just get asked that second question and then you get yeah. yourself your lead. Well, because he wants to share. If you really get down to yeah. it, he wants to share. He wants to He's tell proud. you. So. He's proud. He is proud. He's the man that's got these lawyers scrambling like fighter jets over Baghdad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough. Sorry, Graver. Uh, Good luck to your Titans. And notice that I did pick them to win by one point. You know who else is picking this game with confidence? The Wesling Brothers. Hello, heroes. It's the boring brother Phil again this week. Before we get to the lock this week, (laughs) we're going to talk about why Nick took the whole month of December off from doing the locks. The first week, he forgot. What the hell, Nick? Who could forget about the locks? Do better. The next week, he had a cold. The last time I did the locks, I had COVID. And finally, he's been too busy at work to do locks. Come on, Nick. I thought you were the boss. I did two from work. Let's now talk about another reason why I had to do four in a row. When a text goes out about who's going to do a recording, the other brother's phones go silent, and no one can answer a text. Come on, boys. Step it up. Also... Who asks for recompense when giving him an international platform? <laughs> Not cool, boys. Not cool. Now on to the lock. This week, since West of this was so good to us, we are going with the Bengals again. Joey Burrow and company are on a roll and aren't going to be satisfied with just one playoff win. Jamar Chase will be doing the gritty in Nashville. Get Lincoln his Bengals gear again, Keisha. Sorry, Gravedigger. Bengals in a big spot. Lock it up. <laughs> yeah, Phil. Love- wow. Not bored anymore. Not born anymore. Still going to the front of the line. Great. You know, Greg job. mentioned that, you know, it, he would be, he'd accept the idea that the Wesleyan brothers come after him in his little Han Solo outfit uh, if it, because he picked the Titans. But I don't think they'd even get to Greg. They'd start infighting and probably punching each other oh. up and pulling each other's hair. This has <laughs> been, this has succeeded beyond even my wildest imagination, uh, this bit of having the West brothers on every week because it's now just. Uh, Degenerated into just the settling of scores every week between the brothers. The the actual picking of the games is secondary. Like even in the order in which they discuss uh, certain topics when they come on the show, it's it's just a it's civil war, and here we are uh, sitting in the Roman Colosseum watching them do battle beneath us. It's it's pretty great. It's amazing. And yes, the picks at points seem to just be made to settle scores with each other. They didn't seem to care whether they they got it right or not not at all. All right. So there is the early game, uh, West of Us 2.0, if you want to call it that. Before we move on to the great Bills-Chiefs game and get Tim Graham on the line, 
Might as well do it. I mentioned it. Ricky, uh, open up the kicker club. You want to hear some kicker power rankings? Remaining kickers? <laughs> wow. Oh, yes, please. A- again, I don't want to be the guy that's dwelling too much on kickers, but it's going to matter. Step, beso- step behind the velvet ropes. <laughs> Number eight is Big Bone Randy. I don't trust him in a big spot. Uh, he's not a bad kicker. He's hung around, but you trust Randy Bullock in a big spot like and i know he's slimmed yeah. down but he those bones are still big underneath so. yeah he's I less mean, beefy it, he's definitely left less beefy but the name I, sticks he's a little more like you know thick now he's t-h-i-c-c yes seven mason crosby it, there, we've seen enough struggles to know that he could have a bad day i mean it's certainly within the range of outcomes they're very loyal to mason somehow he's made it through another season but watch out six ryan Suckup. Buccaneers. Uh, you guys Champions. seem stunned by that one. No, no. I'm stunned by Mason I mean, Crosby. It's a not, strong, it's a strong eight. kicker field if Suckup is sixth because he's a good kicker. It is. Uh, Mason Crosby, his hair, his hair uh, alone, I think, puts him number eight. Yes. It is, by the way, a um, very strong field. Number five, Matt Gay, Los Angeles Rams, Pro Come Bowler. Up. Yeah, Pro Bowler, very good kicker. Uh, but almost the victim of just being in a really good company here. Number four, I'm a big fan, as I said, of this kid, Evan McPherson. I think he's got um, ice in his veins. He's scared of nothing, and he's really thrived uh, this season. 28 of 33, uh, does not miss from in close. He's kind of automatic. I really like him. Number three, Tyler Bass, Buffalo Bills. What do you think about that? No complaints. I mean, with Evan McPherson, when you find one of those guys, you got him for a decade plus. It changes your franchise. Cold, cold weather guy. You know, I'd have to, I'd have to really examine the stats here, but I feel like the championship might of Ryan suck up a little underrated compared to some of these guys. You know, well, he wasn't guys. quite tested in the last year's hey, Super Bowl. He but did. He got the job done. Certainly, uh, I like Robbie Gold. I got him at number two. Absolutely. I mean, re- remember what our friend said in his invaluable. Uh, analysis of last week's wild card game, Jay Field. Good as gold, Robbie's been. And number one, gimme Harrison Butker. If I have to pick one guy, gimme Harrison. Not just because, or mostly because my son's name is Harrison, but that is a good kicker in Kansas City who handles the elements that is kicked in big spots and is a guy that you can count on. What do you got? You don't like it, Greg. I'm just saying, Matt Gay's a pro bowler this year. You know, I don't know. It's tough to separate these guys. Gold feels a little high. Weren't they annoyed about Gold uh, earlier in the season? He had some, some moments. Well, maybe early in the year, but he's he, he's been fit, brilliant. Put it this way. He, he's, he's, he's a 20 of 23. God. Yeah. 20 he's of a postseason guy. I don't think he's ever missed a postseason field goal. And well, he hasn't, which they kept trying to jinx him with in the whole, <laughs> that whole broadcast scenario. All right, you guys, you guys have to leave the club now. We Unless do. you're boosted. Are you guys boosted? Yes. All right, then course. you can say. Then you can okay. say. <laughs> Get loose in the club. It gets crazy in here. Like, you would be stunned. It's like when the uh, when you hear about, like, the kids at MIT, um, all the math kids, the whiz kids, all end up in the same place, and it's, it's basically just, like, Caligula <laughs> behind the scenes. That's the well, they're not, club. They're Is not that what they say about M- MIT anymore, right? Yeah, I don't know if I mean I've, I. Well, I'm saying it's something that's kept it's often, under yeah. the radar a little bit. People okay. think, oh yeah, the the math nerds they don't know how to get down. They go nuts. 
But when everyone around you is a math nerd, like there are no nerds and suddenly you're all extremely smart, powerful, have shared values. And you just like, let's explore other parts of our experience and being. I, I would ask you this, Dan, like what is um, art like? Are, is it just kickers in the club and us? Or are there is there a, a tangible weight staff of high value? I know what you're asking. I know exactly what you're asking, and we've already had the Princess Leia discussion today. We don't need to get in any further, but just know that you would be pleased. Do I pour my own beer and drinks, or does someone do it for me? Is that not a fair question about a place that serves a a club? What do you want? I would want want a a robust... uh, wait staff to be, you know, helping the experience along. He wants a lot of um, young men dressed as Harrison Ford serving him drinks. What a- well, we've got you, Greg, so they would, might confuse you for them, but that's fine. Um, all right, let's uh, take a break and then welcome in Tim Grimm. All right, welcome back. As promised, it's time to talk Bills Chiefs, the game of the week, and we're bringing in the big guns here. Uh, from The Athletic. It is the great Tim Graham who covers the Bills. And Tim, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. And I am sure you are uh, quite excited as well as someone who covers the sport. You're at the center of the football universe this week. It's all about you, Tim. Right. The big guns, he says. Uh, I forgot forgot my ammo. So we'll see see what happens here. I don't know. That was a hell of an introduction. And... uh, Quite absurd, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Let's see, if, see if well, we, we do, do we do our best. It. You know, it's kind of like setting the table, and the, but I don't want to. I don't want to build the expectations, and now you're making me feel like it might be a letdown. But we're just going to power through it and see what happens. You know, you need a big clock around your neck because you're like a hype man. You're getting me, getting <laughs> me ready me. to go here. All right, I'm, uh, I'm ready to deliver some some knowledge and and takes. All right, I love it. Let's start this way because. Um, obviously last year when the Bills kind of rose and, and became this superpower, sometimes it seemed easy for this team. This year, there was more winding the road to get where they are now. And then, of course, the masterpiece that was last Saturday night. How surprised were you that that version of the Bills showed up? Because I know during the tail end of the regular season, you started to see the offense especially really coming out of its shell. But to see the dominance at that level, how much did it surprise you? Well, I think you're surprised anytime you see perfection, especially against a Bill Belichick coach team. This is the playoffs. This isn't the Jets in the regular season finale or the Atlanta Falcons the week before that. So to take an opponent's best punch, um, whatever Bill Belichick had at his disposal, he was using in that game. And the Bills didn't blink. It was, as you mentioned, all the great stats and, historical and and never been done before in the the NFL regular season or playoffs uh, for them to have those uh, seven drives, seven touchdowns, no punts, no kicks, no turnovers, the whole thing. Josh Allen's stat line. Yeah, it's a surprise. But to see the Bills command the Patriots in general was not a surprise. They'd just done it a few weeks earlier. Uh, They're now on a five-game win streak with two of those victories over the Patriots, one in Foxborough, then, of course, just last week. But you mentioned that that winding road, and you have to go back to October 10th when they beat the Chiefs for the – well, I don't want to say the first time because that's that's me indicating that I think they're going to do it a second time, and we can get to that. But um, when they beat the Chiefs in the regular season at Arrowhead Stadium, That was the last time the Bills had beaten a meaningful opponent until the second game 
uh, against uh, the Patriots. They they were in against uh, a series of backup quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence beat them. Uh, they couldn't win consecutive games. Uh, and there was a stretch there in November and into December even when you couldn't really envision the Bills winning the four games necessary to hoist that Lombardi trophy because it was clear they weren't going to get the first round by. And you were just wondering if they could win two in a row during the regular season. And they've, they've flipped the switch at the right time. Uh, and that's not to say that they looked perfect in beating teams like Carolina, the Jets, and the Falcons you know, heading into the playoffs. They didn't. They even had some, some struggles there. Matt Ryan looked really good against the Bills in bad weather. Um, in the second to last game but then to do what they did against the Patriots again like I say that's a surprise and it really makes you think that this is the this looks like the Bills team that we did see uh, in Arrowhead Stadium in October do you you know one one thing that's happened for Buffalo is the offensive line uh, really in the last you know over these couple months have, have gelled so well I, I'm wondering how that's happened in your in your opinion I know I saw Deion Dawkins had a, I thought, a great quote. He basically said, the world dropped us. The world dropped us on our head, and it was only us that could pick us up. No disrespect, but F everybody. I mean, I, I, I get a little bit of edge. I get a little bit of, like, maybe they're annoyed how they were perceived. I mean, what's happened on that front? Because the run game is taking off, too. They have balance. And I think that's such a big turning point for them because that was a weakness a couple months ago. They had, I, and I wish I had it here handy, uh, but the line that they currently have that they've gone with for the past few games – Zero sacks allowed, by the way, four straight games. But mm. it wasn't that long ago that it has was changing on a weekly or other weekly basis because of COVID, because of injuries. Uh, and this iteration of the offensive line, I think, is the ninth or tenth. Maybe might be the eleventh. Wow. Actually, I've lost track. But the you know that old football adage about chemistry on the offensive line, and you need continuity and all those things, and Granted, these guys were together all season, and they were the same unit pretty much last season in terms of the group of players. I'm not talking about necessarily where they were starting along that offensive line, but these guys have been together uh, practicing and in meeting rooms together for, for a couple years. But, yeah, it was – again, we're talking, I'll use the word surprise on that because it looked like they were falling apart, and this goes back to a time when the Bills were struggling, the, the times I was just mentioning when this line was being slapped together. And it looked like one more brick crumbling from a really promising team that was favored to win the Super Bowl at one point during the season. And now all of a sudden was trying to find its way behind a, a group of guys who were sustaining serious injuries or not available. And Ryan Bates, uh, the guard who was, you know, he's, he's also the backup at center, really wasn't used throughout the season. And we haven't gotten a really good – a reason why that is because he's played really well uh, since coming in. Um, and, uh, and that's just been here in the last month or so. Uh, but uh, Deion Dawkins, of course, uh, pro bowl left tackle who has been playing really well. Um, Mitch Morse, the veteran center it's, you know, it, it's been really impressive to watch uh, this mm. offensive line come together and kind of out of nowhere, you could not have seen that coming. Uh, with all the different versions of this starting lineup that were that were being assembled, and then all of a sudden they just had one and it worked, and here we are. 
Right. It's like Doc Dawkins lost all that weight with COVID, and so it took him a while to get back into form. Uh, but you mentioned the the interior line. That's so huge this week because that's how the Chiefs' defense, to me, rolls is Chris Jones and Jaron Reed. And if they can if they can do their job against those two guys, I just can't imagine the Chiefs getting a lot of stops. I want to ask you, though, as someone who's been covering this Buffalo sports scene for a long time, I feel like you were there – at least 20 years ago. Am I, am I wrong about that? How I, long have I you moved been to there? Buffalo in January of 2000. My first day at the Buffalo News was the Monday after the Music City Miracle. Everyone was in a fine mood. <laughs> and then I went 17 years without uh, covering a playoff game. Although I did get to cover the National Hockey League for seven of those years. And uh, the, the Sabres had some good runs. So at least I, I did get to experience some joy. I, I remember, yeah, you were on that list of like the good beat writers to to track on the RSS feeds for Roto World back in two thousand three, two thousand and four. So it's what an honor, yeah. What I mean, honor. it's big time to get there. It's like, hey, th- these are the good ones. Uh, you know, to someone that's been there that long and like knows this sports culture, I guess I'm curious. You've seen this team up close. What it means to the city, and especially this version of of the team, the twenty twenty. Uh, one season Buffalo Bills. Like, how do you, how do you think they're ready for this moment? Because I have a hard time picking this game, and one of the dumbest reasons possible is what's convincing me that the Bills could do this, which is just that it like feels like it's their time. Like they've been together for a while. They they seem extremely confident. They got back to this point. What is your feel, uh, and what is the feeling also of the city uh, uh, leading into this rematch and, with the Chiefs? And as a follow up to that, who's better? Josh Allen or Dominic Hasek? All right, go ahead. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, okay, so I'll get a little philosophical with my answer uh, in that I won't make any proclamations about the Bills' greatness right now. But, in fact, and I've used this adage before, or this um, anecdote before with her permission because we were having a conversation shortly after Brandon being the general manager was hired and also uh, uh, with, uh, with Sean McDermott's father right after he was hired. So Brandon Bean's mother asked me after I got done interviewing her for a profile about her son, she said, do you think he's, do you think he'll be successful? And you know, what do you say to mom? Right. Um, but I'm trying to be, you know, she's going to be following the coverage of her son. I guess I'll go ahead and make it known what, what type of you know practical thinker I am. I said, I told Mrs. Bean, I don't know, but when you look back on this, at some point, the Bills are going to become winners. Law of average, whether even if it's 100 years from now, at some, at some point, the Bills, maybe like the Chicago Cubs, will win something. Um, but whenever that time is, we will have looked back on it and said, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what it was supposed to look like, that a coach and general manager came in at the same time with the same vision. It wasn't somebody's leftover coaching candidate. It wasn't some lame duck general manager similar to what we're seeing with the New York Giants and what they've keep continue to go through or in Chicago. Uh, this, I said, this is what it will look like. I think that when you look at a window being open, I'm not going to say a dynasty, but a window being open for a team's success. A few years ago, we will look back on it and say, well, it was pretty obvious what we saw there, what the, what the Bills were doing to the Patriots at that time. It wasn't just that Tom Brady left the division. The Bills were on an ascendancy and here they are. It does feel like it is their time. Um, 
But the fans are are more cynical than that. They've been snake bit a bunch of times. And, and I'll use mm. this uh, this example for you. I need to double check. Uh, so heading into the it was the Saints game on Thanksgiving. Um, I do some work for the local CBS uh, affiliate here in Buffalo, and they do for their weekly pregame show uh, a, a poll. And uh, the poll heading into that game was, what do you think is ahead for the Bills? There were four options. Number one was first round by in the playoffs. Number two was win the AFC East uh, without the first round by. Number three was wild card team. Number four was miss the playoffs. The most votes at 40% or so was miss the playoffs. Wow. Number Bad five. job, Bills Mafia. I'm bringing you this up when you hit me in the mentions. Oh, Josh Allen's too low. Number like, two they've been, was, through, they've been through hell. Number two was wild card. So a majority of the fans were saying, we, we're not winning the division. And most of those people said, we're not going to make the playoffs at all. Wow. So that's, that's, this, that's what's built into the DNA here. That's what's in this fan base. Uh, they had they'd hit a rough patch. Josh Allen wasn't playing particularly well, or when he was winning games, they weren't complete 60-minute games. Uh, and the fans were just like, well, there it goes. Patriots are good again. What are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. Here come the Patriots. Um, we don't deserve That's... nice things. Uh, that being <laughs> said, and I know I'm on a long-winded uh, response here, I do want to say that just because you went 17 or 18 years without the playoffs or how many years that you've been underneath the thumb of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, that suffering does not mean you've earned your window. Or it, it, And I think that there is a segment of the Bills fans that think, okay, now's our time. We deserve this. No, you don't deserve anything. Um, this could be a, a clawed-out division for some time. And, and the Patriots show them they have some fight. They're a double-digit win team. And, you know, who knows what happens with, well, the Jets and the mm. Patriots. But anyways, uh, you aren't owed anything in the NFL. Uh, but this team is damn good, and I think that you do look back on times like this and say, "This is what it's this is what it's supposed to look like." I, that's a great uh, response there, and this is a podcast that has a Jets fan on it and a Browns fan, and I think there is scar tissue with certain fan bases. Well, I'm a native Clevelander, that, so I can give you there. That. You go. You so get there's, it. <laughs> there, there's thing. scar tissue that comes with years and decades of failure, and I think Bills fans and uh, as someone who took Sam Darnold before Josh Allen uh, came off the board. You kind of say, but that's the guy, just like the fans in Cincinnati who might be a little different, which is funny the way you're, there doesn't seem to be that same level of cynicism with Joe Burrow. They're all in, but maybe it changes this year for Bills fans when they see what this guy does. Maybe he drops a bomb on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs this weekend. We shall see. I thought, listen, Tim, I thought the setup may be a little grandiose, but then you delivered uh, on on multiple levels, in, including that philosophical closer. So, plus, what is that? An Emmy in your background? I mean, that's a. <laughs> oh, that's I a, think that's like a. That's, I think it's a lifetime is, achievement award. This is my hat holder. It's a, it <laughs> is a fantasy football trophy. It is obnoxiously ah, okay. large. Okay. It weighs about forty pounds. I don't know if you're hearing. This is steel. That looks nice. That's, That's why I thought it was an Emmy or something. But it but was no. It is set. There, it is there because it takes up a good bit of space for when I do things like this. It seems like I have something impressive back there. 
It almost looks like something like a humanitarian award. So don't say fantasy. Just like, oh, yeah, that was when I worked with uh, Mother Teresa and the, right. and the, the Alps in 97. The, the, the hands of, you know, to whatever greater good. I, I don't know. All right, Tim. Thank you. People know that. Thank you, Tim Graham. Is Dominic Hashik by a lot? Josh Allen's going to have to do what he's been doing for about Ah. seven or eight more years before he can be in conversation with Dominic Hashik. Mark, that's a a a goaltender in the NHL. It's a (laughs) thank you. I would also I would I'd say I appreciate that that information. (laughs) I I would also note that if you're not following um, Tim Graham on Twitter. He is a very enjoyable follower because I understand that some of these Bills fans and, and beyond are annoying. He is not afraid to drop a nuclear bomb on their <laughs> concepts and ideas at any time of the day. Good. It's quite a read. He suffers no fools. People ask me today. why I do it. They say, why do you waste your time? And I say, it's because I enjoy it. <laughs> very good. All right. There Thanks, he goes, Tim. Tim Grant. Thank you, buddy. Best of luck care, the rest guys. of the way. Uh, maybe we'll see you at the Super Bowl. All right, so that's the Bills side of this story. And it's interesting, before we kind of transition to the Chiefs side of this game, uh, and thank you to Tim Graham, he was excellent, uh, is that there's so much talk about the Bengals, and we're guilty of this, if you want to call it that as well, as this like fun story about this underdog franchise, that here are the Bills in that same spot, and they have a chance now to do something special. Uh, If you're old enough, you remember when they went to four straight Super Bowls and lost them all in the early nineties. And it's been pretty much a desert since. So this Josh Allen situation now and the rising of uh, this great team building and something we've definitely hit on, on this podcast a lot, the importance of having that functional front office coach combo and just getting on the same uh, page together on the ground floor, all that stuff. Now here come the chiefs and Mark, the chiefs are an interesting team, obviously, because as much as we pumped up and right, rightfully so, that brilliant effort offensively by uh, Buffalo when they went seven for seven against Bill Belichick with seven touchdowns. The Chiefs scored six consecutive touchdowns uh, a day later against uh, the Steelers, which are you know not not a great defense, but a, a pretty good defense with some big players. So it's a great matchup of two offensively gifted teams. Yeah, I mean this is why this <clears throat> round of of play of the playoffs tickles the loins because it's just like this is an insane <laughs> there matchup. had to be a better way to put that well there probably was i oh, yeah. this is an insane matchup where it's just like i just want to sit down and like let it unfold over me because i you know you are looking at the heights and we spent you know the chiefs were frustrating if the bills were the chiefs have been a frustrating team to discuss all year because the question i mean on our television show on friday week after week it seemed to be do we believe in this team? Will they ever break out of their funk? Who are they? Are, have they hit the end of the road? Is it just not their year? And then suddenly now, like the Bills, they look extremely explosive. And a, whole, a huge thing was the turnovers with Mahomes. It was like, is this guy, has he been figured out? Have the Chiefs been figured out? Well, it all seems a little bit like nonsense to me. He did have 22 turnover-worthy plays. That said, they have eight turnovers since week nine. That narrative, now they had two of those came against Pittsburgh. So I get that, but they found a way out of that darkness real quick and real fast. Pittsburgh just did, it was their last gasp. Everything we said had to happen. TJ Watt gets a touchdown. It happened. That was real nice for all of us analysts. But then the Chiefs dropped a massive, I mean, just a dark cloud over Pittsburgh. They ended them. And I know that's a a lesser opponent, but I suddenly deeply trust and I really love the emergence of Jarek McKinnon who you know out of football for so long came back and looked explosive last week there was a 20 yard 
uh, screen to him early on in that game that I thought he got on my radar right away. They used the screen game really well against Pittsburgh, and I wonder how they'll attack this defense. There mm. is no Tredavious White. I think this could be the game where that costs Buffalo quite a bit. We'll They've see, almost been Buffalo- better without him, which is very strange because White is one of the best corners in the league. But And that's a credit to the Bills' defense that they've yes, not is. missed a beat. But it, things are different now with Tyree Cole. This uh, matchup Tyree feels a little Nicole different. Hard- yes. yep. So, I, I, you know, I, for me, it's just like, let's just hang on and see what happens here. Right. I don't trust the, either defense to get a ton of stops. I think the game will be in the 30s. If it's not, I think it'll just be because the possessions take too long. You know, when we think about the Chiefs being more patient this year, and they, they're really diverse. Both offenses are diverse now. They both can run. I, I think the Chiefs can run block really well, and you saw that with Jarek McKinnon. We'll probably see Edwards Alaire back. I think the Bills have gotten better that way too. Uh, it, it's been to combat these defenses, which are typified by Buffalo, that are just trying to prevent big plays. They have those two safeties back there. That's why they've survived without White, you know, Hyde and Poyer. I think they're, they're starting to get kind of their national shine now. I think Poyer got all pro. And, and those are the guys that are going to try to prevent Tyree Kill from getting over the top. He'll look totally healthy. He's back. He's fine. Uh, or prevent Travis Kelsey from getting all those yards after the catch. They did a pretty good job of that in, in the first matchup. I know a lot of things have changed, uh, but they, they did a good job of that, preventing big plays for the most part. And uh, it it's just like they they are built in some ways to play this Chiefs team. You know, this this matchup is not surprising. It's just a week early. I kind of think the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl in general, or at least is my favorite to win the Super Bowl, I think would be the best pick. And I'm, and and it's almost like they, they wrote it too much for it. Like, these are the AFC teams that just got rid of the old AFC powers of yesteryear. It's like, bye, Ben. Bye, Patriots. We just dropped 40 burgers. Let's make it as obvious as possible that, like, we are the fire show. And, yeah, I don't care what happened, like, before December. Like, did Mahomes and Allen are playing their best right now and that to me is almost all that matters in the playoffs i yeah i throw out the week five result entirely because it doesn't teach me anything because i know as good as kansas city's defense has been in stretches this season uh they're just like many other defenses you might even argue all defenses in the nfl right now where they can be figured out and scored upon repeatedly plus it was a daniel Sorensen game he had a nightmare in that in that matchup and he's not being used much anyway right the so you know the bills especially where they are at they're at right now they can score 38 points on you and now you look at kansas city they were in that weird funk period uh during that stretch of the season it lasted longer than any of us any of us imagined uh so i don't look at the game and be like well they figured out patrick mahomes and company once they can do it again no i think the bills are going to really struggle to contain mahomes and, and all the weapons he has so it does feel like i feel like we're going to be cheated uh boys if this game is anything other than 38 35 uh, this is this is the, i know what tim said was great uh, you don't deserve anything nothing is is given to you but we the fans especially after all that malarkey we had to watch last weekend deserve 41-38, Bring it. Give us the juice. Give us the points. Let's fly. And I also love Hyde and Poyer, too. I remember that press conference uh, after the first Patriots game, and they were so annoyed uh, with the media trying to frame and narrative uh, their season away and, and the way they kind of, as a, as a tandem, helped define that defense and the attitude and the spirit of the Bills defense. I love this Bills team, and, like, 
I, sometimes in, on uh, Twitter, people are like, why are you like positive about the Bills all the time? You're a Jets fan. Because Jets fans and Bills fans have a kinship in that division, I'm okay with the Bills rising here. That, that would be a really nice story to see them get to mm. L.A. I don't know. I, uh, I look at this team, and when I, when I say that it's like time, to me it's not, it's not time like they've waited 17 years so they deserve anything. It's time that it's all coming together perfectly right now. This is the third straight year they've made the playoffs. Allen's had his downs in the playoffs. I think he's more mature now. It's fourth out of five year for McDermott. They've had different defenses, ups and downs over the last couple of years. So are you combining the great Allen play with your great Bills defense? Right now, it's not great, but it's about as good as we as we have in the NFL. It's one of the better groups. It's certainly better than the group that got uh, crushed by the Chiefs a, a year ago. And then you have Allen running the ball. And that, to me, is like the X factor he is number one by far now in, in rushing value on the season, according to QBR. He leads the league in yards per carry. He almost led all quarterbacks in rushing yards, and that was almost all after that Bucks game. Like, design runs, he's running. Scrambles against man coverage, what the Chiefs often have, and he took advantage in the first time. He's running. It's time. They've been in, knocking on this door is he gonna- for years, and that's why I'm locking up the Chiefs on the road. Ah, mm. very, very spicy. Wait, you're locking up the Chiefs on the road? Well, I messed it up. Oh, like, no. I had a, the best game-winning what drive ever. You set up the 18-yard field goal to go to the Super Bowl, and then I kicked it into the uh. ass of the center. Yeah, you have the bills. Okay, well, you you blew that. And there's no coming back. Um, I believe I, I had bills, yes. I had the Packers over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl uh, back in September. So I can't turn back now. I can't now pick against uh, the Chiefs. So at home, God, their pedigree is so great. Um, this again, this is going to be a cop out because it's going to be. I don't know if I even believe it, but I will say Chiefs forty-one thirty-eight. Uh, heartbreak city in Buffalo. Uh, but that is not, there's no strong conviction there. This is absolutely a coin flip game. How about you, Mark? I, I admire Greg for locking either team because what about how he closed that though? Well, I know that was, that was a bit of a botch job, but I like the heart and fire behind it. I get real. I've got this lock trophy here. I'm bringing it in. Dan's got to try to bring it home. My reign is officially over. Uh, I'll bring it into the office this week. It can no longer, you know, be in my background. Your reign was over about ten weeks ago. I want to write here. It's been sitting. It's been sitting. It's waiting. (laughs) I get concerned when, and I get it because part of me just thinks the same thing: thirty-five, thirty-two, thirty-eight, thirty-five. It's when when everyone is saying that. Uh, it's going to go totally south, and it's not going to be the case. I'm not rooting for that. I want it to be that. But I keep seeing in my head, um, although it's probably totally different than the pick I sent on Tuesday to uh, th- these other guys, but I'm going 38 <laughs> um, to 20 Buffalo in a game where Whoa. Mahomes has a lot of problems. Wait, where wait, the you just, offense... wait, you're not locking them up? They're, you have the winning by 18. <laughs> I'm not locking And you them picked up. a different I, team. It, you have a bigger score than an 18-point margin. Okay, wait, you're, I'm, say, I'm you're saying you're, you're picking this to be an 18-point difference, yes. and yet yes. there might be another place on NFL media where you have the other team winning? No, no. I picked the Bills in that one, too. Okay, good. Okay. Well, that's fine. No, no, I, and I, you're I, not I believe, locking it up. Okay. I'm not locking it up because I'm not touching this game. This is not a – I don't need – I'm still alive in the lock thing, and I don't like – the well, then your score, te- just logically, it would be closer than 18. But Greg, Greg, that, that's a Greg, score of Greg, conviction. Greg, 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 
can I do my own, am I allowed to make my own choice or must you critique every single thing that I do when it comes to locks? Who cares? You're like 80, 88 games behind. You go, you go deal with your own lock. That's hey, how you do it. I'm telling back, you, I just back had to a back feeling. Trophies, you know, you I just know, that, had a feeling I'm during this pod uh. that this is not going to be close. This is not going to be close. The bills are going to drop. They're going to they're going to do something to the Chiefs early on that changes the tone of this game. There may be injuries. I don't know what it will be, but I don't think this will be close at all. I think it's going to be a real rough ending of the season well, to the, for Kansas City. For this game to get away from the Chiefs quickly, it's going to be another one of those killer turnovers and then in 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 marriage with the Bills picking up right where they left off. I get a little nervous if I'm a Bills fan that you were so perfect last week. That following up something yeah. like that, are you going to yeah, still true. be? I mean, that's going to be. Uh, and too we'll many see. people. Uh, the the bills are kind of the trendy pick this week. The line has moved toward them. It's only one and a half. They're 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 the pretty common pick out there. But that was true of the 49ers last week. Sometimes the public uh, nails it. All right, let's uh, take a break and then hit the NFC. All right, let's move to the NFC side of things, starting with Saturday night, the game 515 on Fox. I guess that means Troy Aikman gets this game, uh, but who knows? It'd be kind of funny if Tony Romo got this game. You know, <laughs> if somehow Troy Aikman uh, gets banged again, and his, we actually maybe they cut to a Troy cam and we see Troy Aikman's head explode. I mean, I feel like that would be pretty good TV. I think there's a lot of people that like to be calling that game. Just the realm of possibilities. You're right. Uh, the 49ers. Woo, doggy. Coming off that uh, big win in the wild card round over the Cowboys. Was it an upset? I don't think it was an upset. Maybe Vegas said it was an upset, but they were the better team and they played like it. But now it jumps up a notch. The Green Bay Packers, 13-4, and four, coming off their bye, undefeated at home. Uh, Greg, it's been... Uh, it's been talked about incessantly because that's how it works when a team's on buys. Some of the storylines just stay where they are, that the Packers are getting a healthy, especially along their offensive line. I'll start you off this way, Greggy. Do you have any concerns? Like they went through the entire season, had a dominant regular season with the, the line they had, and now you're going to introduce all these pieces, overmake three-fifths of the line, that they might have some hiccups offensively because the line hasn't mm. played together and missed a lot of time? I'm not worried about that because Rodgers manages his line so well. If Bakhtiari is healthy enough to play, he's a huge upgrade. Josh Wells, you know, we've seen him at center. He's been good. They did play about a half uh, together in Week 18 against the Lions. I'm more concerned that they're playing a team in the 49ers that have just won two playoff games. And, and we always get into discussing this time of year, like, is it better to be the team on the roll or, or you have the rest? It's not so much that the Packers rested. It's that the last two weeks that the 49ers pulled off and the way they did it in Los Angeles, in Dallas, two playoff teams, two very good offensive lines that they just destroyed. They, the, their front won those games. And you can say, okay, the, the Packers have this great resume. Well, have they had it two weeks as good as the 49ers just had? Like, to me, the resume is a little irrelevant because the Packers haven't played a, a real opponent since November. It was the Rams. The last meaningful game was three weeks ago against Sean Mannion. They were trailing at halftime against the Lions. I don't want to get too carried away that, like, the Bears game and the Browns game and the Lions game were all close or whatever, but this wasn't a, a dominant team. And, yes, they're getting te 
you know, they're getting pieces back. But I think just when you look at the matchup in terms of being able to get pressure on Rodgers and then a, a team that can run the ball against the 30th ranked rush defense, according to EPA, like that's a tough matchup and it's about a toss up. I'm, I'm really surprised it's a six point spread, six point spread. When I look at the Niners, I feel like you can tell who they're going to be um, early on. It doesn't always carry out, but they, they are one of the best teams in the league at early drives, dominant, long, you know, 10 plus minute drives. And it, it kind of shows you how the game might go in situations. I think that was very true against the Rams. It fell off a little bit against Dallas, obviously, but that's a Shanahan special. And I really want to see how the run game operates. You really can't take much from the first time these two played on the run game scenario because there was no Elijah Mitchell. They had Trey Sermon in there. I think they ran for about 67 yards. And this Packers defense has been good against the run the last two weeks. But in general, they have not been. And it's not just the run game, but what you have to do to guard the run game and protect against it. Because I look at that Travis Benjamin catch early against Dallas, which essentially looked to the defense like an overt running situation that turned into a big gain through the air. And that's where I think Jimmy G is at his best. He, 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 can, he can deal him out, and I love him in that situation. I think this is, I hate that it's the same narrative as a week ago because of just who Jimmy G is, but it's going to be four degrees in Green Bay. I think if you get into a situation where Jimmy G creates the mistakes, that could be the end factor here. I mean, I, I, that happened with Dallas last week. As much as you don't want it to play the script, they were in control, and that Jimmy G interception absolutely killed him. He has 25 turnover-worthy plays this year. Uh, he's, he's had his problems, and it's just like, I, I, do you trust him enough to carry this in this no. one, otherwise to wonderful To beat Aaron Rodgers, right. Yeah, that's, that, it's, that's, it's a that's, tough thing to overcome. It's, that's, that's the game. I mean, that's... That, that, it's going to be oversimplified on some level, but one side's going to have Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind, and the other side's going to have Jimmy G, who it's not like if he makes mistakes, he's going to. He does it. And now you're going to put him on the road in very uh, probably adverse conditions and going against the offense that's not going to be stopped. I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers' last seven games. 1,929 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He is completely locked in right now. I think he's not a guy I worry about with rust. Oh, he took a week off. If anything, that's good because of uh, that toe injury, which he said he didn't is a practice that whole stretch you're talking about practically because of the toe. It's but insane. I guess I don't worry about it. I, right, that's what I mean. And look how, how well he played. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. And then Devontae Adams, we know what he's all about. We know that he's going to show up in this game. But here's the other guy to t- keep an eye on. Alan Lazard has turned into a real number two receiver. If you look at the last six weeks of the season, uh, Devonte Adams has six touchdowns. That's best in football. Number two, Alan Lazard, five touchdowns. So your MVS looks like he's not going to be in this game, but Rogers is going to have his pick of weapons. He's got the great backfield tandem behind him. He's got the improved blocking up front, uh, with Bakhtiari back. Are you kidding me? If he's healthy, that's a huge upgrade. And yeah, I don't think six seems high, but I think this is going to be a win for the Packers and I'm going to ride with them. I'm locking them up. Well, that forces me. I think that's obviously a logical pick. It forces me because we're right at the end here. Like, do, am I looking to tie Dan? That has there's zero nobility in that. I don't care. I want to find out if I can win this thing. I'm gonna have to go reverse lock off with the Niners. I feel good about the team in general. 
Uh, to Greg's point, they've basically been in a postseason and they've delivered. And I, I think this is a real tough place for them. It could go real south, but I mean, they're not a team that just go gets goes gets blown out either. I mean, they're going to hang around, and if something magical happens, Dan and Mark are one I feel, game apart. I love that. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like confident, but at the same time, it wouldn't shock me. That said, if the if the Packers after all this build up this year went one and done and it's happened in the past. We all know that with the Packers, they're not their playoff resume is spotty despite a lot of regular season dominance. That would qualify as huge failure. I just I don't see it, Greg. I don't I don't see this as a one and done team. I think especially uh and I know you said that you think the winner of the Bills Chiefs team is the champion. I think until I think they're my favorite, yeah. I think the Packers are my favorite to win this whole thing still. Um, I think it will be Packers against Chiefs or the Bills. Uh, first step is knocking off a very game uh, San Francisco team, but a compromised one in the sense that Garoppolo is going to make mistakes that Rodgers won't. Yeah, Jimmy G is a tough thing to get over when you're thinking about this game. But I I, I think when LaFleur saw this matchup that there are concerns. I mean, that the run defense with Debo Samuel in the background, in the backfield, rather – it's just so dynamic being able to tackle those guys in the open field, the way they're playing. And then the boom box. I, I don't know if you, did you see the boom box highlights throughout the week of them walking out of the locker room with the boom box on yeah, their way the to box. the field in Dallas. When I saw no. that boom box, I thought, Oh, this team's going to green Bay. And the the forecast may say it's 12 degrees maybe it like feels like 3 at kickoff dry but it's going to be raining there in green bay cuz there's no way they're not covering this 6 points <laughs> Kyle Shanahan runs the ball 61% of the time in the playoffs with Jimmy G as his quarterback. This is the perfect day to go do that. Nick Bosa, he's out of that concussion protocol. I like their defensive front. I am worried that, you know, Rodgers mitigates all that by, you know, picking on the mismatches that Troy Aikman was talking about this week. Remember, you know, he he got a lot of notice for saying, how come they're not just, you know, Dak Prescott's got to overcome what the scheme asked for and just go to the mismatches. I mean, that's what Aaron Rodgers does better than anyone. That's a concern with the secondary, but uh, I at least think they cover those six points. And if you're going to feel that good about covering and dropping some rain, I'd pick them to win. Just go straight in there and blast them 24-23. Ooh, saucy! So Greg picked, and I, I'm feeling good based on some certain standings <laughs> this year. Well, I'm not locking them up. You know, my others, my over, my uh, my picks against the spread have been great. Have been great. I don't know. I mean, maybe not great, but good. Good enough. <laughs> Twenty uh, over. Twenty over. Going to be great. Good, Greg. That's good. That's good. Hey, speaking of uh, <laughs> um, stuff going on at home. Uh, did you guys happen to see the new ad that hit Twitter of the Russell Wilson and uh, Ciara? Uh, yes, I did. Perfume? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was good. That's pretty, I mean, I guess it's the only thing that's disappointing is that it didn't show up before Christmas because that would have been a slam dunk gift for the SO. Yeah, well, you could still, you know, the great thing about, um, you know, Christmas ending is that if you surprise her with that gift uh, now, mm-hmm. uh, it really says that, you know, you're not just a give me you a gift at holiday type right. of guy. You're thinking about her all the time. What's right. the name it, of the perfume, uh, Ricky? I believe it's also like a candle. I think it's a candle. <laughs> I think it's also a lot the of things shape? in one. 
Yeah, the shape it's is uh, two. It's intertwined yeah, it, bottles, and it, it, it you know, it, it kind of passes other things. And then in the commercial, it shows her hand and and his hand pulling the bottles away. It would have been cool if it, they did it when his finger was all jacked up in October, and he just had this nasty, beat up like finger pointing in the wrong direction. That would have cool been cool for who? I mean, I would have liked it, but I. But think yeah, like give give your significant other uh, some perfume. Might be a candle, might look like a sex toy, and then just on re on repeat, just play that Russell Wilson sultrily looking at you know. Why is Erica? Why am I asking you questions and you're answering me on Slack? Are you not allowed to talk on mic anymore? What happened? Did Greg say something to you? Yeah, actually, I'm not allowed to. No, no, I was looking, I was looking it up and wanted to get it to you as fast as I could. It's it's a fragrance duo's Harmony and Intense by Rand. Who's Harmony and who's Intense? Oh, probably Russ. Oh, then they pulled them apart. Yeah, it's it is it. So it's it's fragrance. You know, it's it's not a candle, but it is a product that looks like it can (laughs) it can pass for other things. Yeah, definitely. I was confused at first watching the video. Hey, what we need to do, Ricky, we need to be all over this intense ad campaign. Uh, The second it drops when they have the ponderous like Calvin Klein ad uh, where Russ is intoning things in a grave manner and she's like crawling all over his nude body. We need to be kind of all over this story. So just like keep an eye on the I'm on top of it. Okay, for sure. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, before we get to the last game, uh, Mark, I have some big news for you. Huge news. Huge, 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 huge. Hit me. Does the name Jeff Franklin ring a bell? Uh, I, I don't think so. Full House creator Jeff Franklin selling Beverly Hills Mansion for $85 million, site of the Sharon Tate murders. Well, okay. Um, I've walked up that street. Oh, I know you have, my friend. Many times. And I I would just let you know that um, the last time it looked like that house, um, the owner was Trent Reznor. That that was the red sort of farmhouse up on a hill. Right. Um, It looks today, uh, I don't know if it's Greek or just Mediterranean. Um, It is an eyesore. It looks utterly absurd to me. All right. So, so you know. It's not the so same place. It they is. also have pictures all over the street um, saying, you know, if you see this man, call the authorities. It's a picture <laughs> of Mark. You know, it's, it's little flyers everywhere. <laughs> well, tons of people walk up there. I wouldn't be alone. So, 21,000 square feet, nine bedrooms, 19 bathrooms, sits on three acres with a jetliner view of the city. Now, Mark, remember when, and that's not what it was then. It's what no. the place is now. It was 1994 is when it was raised and turned into this full house monstrosity. They actually had uh, Bob Saget uh, from Full House, the dad, Danny Tanner, passed away uh, suddenly, and they just had the uh, post-funeral gathering there. And now it's up for sale. And remember back in December where we gave each other Christmas gifts, Mark? Yes, And I, I gave you the Baker Mayfield extension that had a lot of guaranteed money, and it and maybe wasn't of- the nicest gift. Yeah, a lot of snark attached to it, uh, to okay. some degree. Yeah. I'm going to take two. I'm buying this estate. I'm raising this. Goodbye, gnarly uh, McMansion from hell. And then I'm going to connect with all of the greatest uh, set designers in the business, Los Angeles historians. I'm going to restore it to the Sharon Tate home with a Roman Polanski and then give it to you. How about that for a gift? Well, I like this more than the, the previous gift. Um I, I wonder about my own mental state were I to uh, suddenly start living inside a duplicate 
um, of a Hollywood home that, you know, where one of the most grisly events of human history occurred. And what and also while I was living there, what sort of copycat um, artists it might attract from, you know, who knows where up in the canyons. I, I just a bit concerned, but I would take mm. on the adventure and just say, let's go for it. But maybe not allow my children um, to be on that ground. I don't know if that would, you know, just let's keep everyone safe. Is that OK? okay. Right. I'll a very take it or leave thoughtful it. gift. Talk, take it or leave it situation. Got to take right the house. now. It sounds like he's asking for two houses. Like you need to separate no, no, one I'll for t- the family. That's a little much. You know? I know, but if I own that house, then I'm we're flying. So <laughs> that's true. All right, let's get to. Uh, so that could be yours, though. If I can't make it happen, maybe you can, Mark. I don't know what where your salary's at these days, but it's not there. Eighty-five million. It's not. I couldn't. I probably couldn't buy um, an eight-foot-eight patch of the lawn at this point. So. All right, let's get into the final uh, NFC game. It involves the defending Super Bowl champion. So let's get into it. Uh, it is the Tampa Bay Bucks playing host to the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, we were obviously, uh, if you listen to the show on Tuesday, you know we were at the game uh, on uh, Monday uh, between the Rams and the Cardinals. And the Car- Rams look great. They absolutely did. You could say they looked better than the Bucks looked against the Eagles, but it was almost like the Eagles, kind of, both these teams in a way, if you really think about it, they, the Eagles and Cardinals were not playoff ready. So these two teams just took care of business against teams that were ready to go home. And now we see them against top flight competition. Feels like a Bucks game, but how do you guys see it? Greg, we'll start with you. Hmm, I, this is the toughest game for me to separate the two. I think they're very similar. I think they're defensive fronts are primed and ready to play their best that they've played all season that they're peaking right now. Obviously one side is Brady and the other is Stafford and that's a mismatch. But if you just stack up pure talent, I think the Rams are are right there with them. And uh, for the Rams, it, it got to feel like a, not a get over the hill type of game because if you can win this, you get to the NFC Championship. You got a long way to go, but there's been a lot building with this season, and to have to come up against Tom Brady, who ripped your heart out with the best Rams team of all time in 2001, uh, and who finished the job in 2018 in the Super Bowl, and now you get him again here as a member of the Bucks. Uh, not who you want to lose to, but a team that you should have some confidence that you've beaten twice. I, I think that matters. Uh, I know it was back in week three, and last season was back with Jared Goff, but the the similarities in those two games um, were that the Rams' offense got the job done, the defense made, made enough plays. It doesn't mean that they, they're going to win this game because of it, but it's a much better defense, and I hate to focus on what the last thing that happens, the easiest thing to talk about, but the Tristan Wirfs injury is like massive because – because Tom Brady's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly, and it's one thing to do it uh, against the Eagles, and it's another thing to have to rely on really just Mike Evans and Gronk. I think that's enough, but if you don't have a great offensive line, then maybe it's not enough. I'm with you. I, I mean, because, <clears throat> because it's Tom Brady, you know, fine. There's no way to count any team out, and the Bucks have just got it done week after week. But what version, even if he plays, what version of Tristan Wirfs, what version of Ryan Jensen I mean, he kind of stunk last week, by the way. Rewatching that, it's like the Eagles crushed Jensen and really the interior line there last week. Well, right. I mean, Tom Brady was under duress, took four sacks. A lot of that, all of it happened after those guys were out. I mean, they're built around that offensive line. And I I just wonder in that situation, if 
the line is having any issues, and let's say Jalen Ramsey uh, reduces or takes away Mike Evans for large portions of the game, then you are looking at a Rams defense that, to me, uh, you've got Aaron Donald. You really could cause a lot of problems in this game for the Bucks. I know that it's like you've got Von Miller coming off one of his most impressive performances, Leonard Floyd, you know, Sean Robinson. There is a lot to like about this Rams defense right now. I think they do match up pretty well just because the Bucks are the one team in this remaining landscape where there are guys missing all over the place. And, it, you know, it, they, they covered, all, covered that all over against a terrible Eagles team. They just did not show up last week. But I don't know if that's going to be so easy against Stafford, who's also thrived really well against the Blitz. You guys make a good point, um, good points about this. Like, there are ways to look at this game and see it as setting up very well for Los Angeles. Like, Tristan Wurst, for instance, as of Thursday, was not practicing. Um, and, you know, that's not a good sign. I mean, we still have some time to go here. But uh, even if he does return... I mean, the fact that he tried to go back in the game on Sunday and had to exit, uh, it's very likely or possible, I should say, that he will not be playing in this game. Uh, if the offensive line is compromised, that's playing right into the hands of, of the strength of Los Angeles, who not only have Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the league, but Von Miller, who's really come to life here uh, in recent weeks. Here's the thing, though, and this is what I can't get past, and not even being in person at that game on Monday night really changes for me. The feeling that are the Rams hardcore? Are the are the are the Rams for real? Are in a big spot when the stakes are highest and the competition is big time? Do they have the guts to stand up and go win a game? I'm not there yet because I don't think the Cardinals were worthy to be in the playoffs. Uh, quite frankly, how bad they were by the end of that season and then the way they no-showed. So I didn't learn a lot about them. And then if you go back through the season, as recently as Week 18, when they got up 17 nothing and then lay down against the Niners and lose that game, and then you just start going through their schedule, and anytime they were supposed to win, for the most part, they won and took care of business. But anytime someone punched them in the mouth, they didn't know how to handle it, and that's where you'll find all their losses and speed bumps in the season. So... The reason ultimately is it's Brady, what he brings to things, the the fact that the Bucks play so well at home, and I just, do I just see the Rams going across the country and becoming that team that they haven't been yet? I don't. I think mm. this is a ten point game. They did go up seventeen on the Forty ers which is this kind of maybe a silly way to look at it, but they they've sort of been in playoff atmospheres back to back weeks, and I I just think matching up against the Bucks offense. You have Jalen Ramsey. You figure he's going to play a lot more man coverage this week on Mike Evans. You know, you give Gronk as much attention as you can. Tom Brady is going to make those safeties that came in last week. Nick Scott played great, and Eric Weddle was fine when, when he was out there. But you would think he's going to make them look more vulnerable. I just look at both of these defenses, and I, have, I am just as worried about the Rams offense, and think that they are primed and playing really well. And that even though I'm always an offense first guy, like I like the under in this game. I, I think it's going to be tough for both of these teams to run the ball. I think it's going to be tough for both of these teams uh, to get consistent long drives. And I, I think it might be a game that's more more suited to to a Tom Brady gets a go, chance to go win the game with, with a touchdown at the end. But it's more like a 20 to 17 type of game or 23 to 20. Type I see of game. that. It does feel like a maybe a, a Brady finds a way type win where it's not necessarily going to be pretty. Uh, but at the end of the day, he makes enough plays. One other big injury update here. So Leonard Fournette, 
who went on IR in December with a hamstring injury. Uh, he practiced on Thursday, and he practiced on Wednesday, so he's trending toward a return. Ronald Jones hurt his ankle in Week 17. Doesn't look like he's playing. So Fournette is a big piece, too, because, I mean, he's playoff Lenny for a reason. He was a major reason why they won the Super Bowl last year, and he was having a great year this year before he went down. If he comes back and is functional and can stay healthy, that adds a much-needed dimension to their offense. Yeah, I mean, flip side, I, I, I'm encouraged by – what Cam Akers did against the Cardinals um, paired with Sony Michelle. I know it's like you can't run against the Bucks, but we'll see. I mean, they're more balanced. I, it, I don't want to double the Jimmy G scenario, but I mean, some of those games where the Rams were punched in the mouth, as you say, I mean, and they were on defense by the Niners, especially. And, you know, they've had a couple bad losses, but some of those tied of Matthew Stafford mistakes as well. I mean, can Matthew Stafford be as clean as Tom Brady? Or is this one of those games where Tom Brady throws a couple picks? That's happened too. I mean, I think those mistakes will matter a lot, but I do think the Rams are a little more balanced. I would ask you this, which coach do you think, um, who do you trust more of these two coaches, Sean McVay or Bruce mm. Arians? I, I guess I'd trust the Bucks coaching staff. Yeah, staff, I would say for sure. You know, they're both a little wonky sometimes in game management and, McVay gets so conservative. We saw it in that game. Like he, no one loves to blow timeouts with like 11 minutes left in the third quarter more than Sean McVay. And he, he's like inherently conservative. And, and I get it. Stafford's made, made uh, issues. So I, I like Leftwich. And more than anything, I like I like the idea of what Bowles could do in this game. Because the, the thing that worries me as, as a Rams uh, father here, a, you know, a father of a Rams uh, fan, you know what I mean? What, what worries me is what's going to make my daughter unhappy. <laughs> Phrasing. Is is the father Todd Bowles, of the Rams? Father of the is is, is Bowles cooking this group up? Because last week when he put Jordan Whitehead out there and they're kind of playing three linebackers, but one of them's a safety. It's Whitehead and Levante David's back, and Devin White is just flying all over the place. In the secondary, which has been a problem all year, is healthier than it's been all year. They weren't with that. They didn't have Murphy Bunting in that game, but he could be back this week too. And it, it sort of looked like a veteran defensive group that was almost waiting to get to this point. They they all came back. They've all, they're all Super Bowl champions. They handled being defending champions as well as any you know team in a while. The the twenty sixteen Patriots did a good job. They almost won it again. You know they be- went back, but they did a great job. And like now they're back and they're just wh- whatever the best is that you're going to get out of this veteran group. I think you're going to get it. They're healthy and th- it worries me that they could they could create some and big just mistakes to, by Stafford. And to underline the the Rams point I made these are the losses just for the record week four Arizona 37 20 when Arizona mattered week nine Tennessee 28 16 loss week 10 Niners 31 10 loss week 12 Packers 36 28 loss week 18 Niners 27 24 loss every time they've had that chance to say we're we're real deal they've well, how they've about week three small. against the Bucks you know I mean, they got to give him a little credit for that if you're going to go back All right, to, I'll give to week him that. four. I'll know? give him that. I'll give him that. But it doesn't change my feeling about this team overall. I think I don't see them stepping up here. Uh, did you guys pick this game? Well, um, I'm going to go. I, I just I trust the Bucks <laughs> to win it like 28-25 or something like that. I think it's going to be close. I, I really like what I saw. The, the Rams team against the Cardinals gave me Super Bowl vibes. I understand the opponent, but... Um, I think they're going to give Tampa Bay the test of their lives. Yeah, I I took the Rams. It, it's partly because Ellis does watch 
game debut on Friday uh, evenings, and she's very disappointed if I don't pick them. But the only reason, <laughs> you know, I did that for you partly you for— you got to separate, Greg. You're, you're trying right. to make it hey, as an analyst in this biz. All right. Here, here's a, a newsflash. None of us has any idea what's actually going to happen. So in a coin flip situation, well, you they really— Nobody does. You don't. I mean, you pick the Raiders. None of us knows what's going to happen in the future. I think it's a coin flip game. I think this Rams team is so talented. I think it's a top five team in the NFL. You have them, what, eighth in your power rankings? I would have these two teams four and five. I think I'd go like Bills, Chiefs, Packers, Bucks, Rams would be my top five. And so to me, it's a coin flip. So you might as well go go with your heart. Although... My heart also is rooting for Tom Brady, so I, I don't know. I'm going to be a mess. This guy has not lost. Here's a great, a crazy stat for Tom Brady. He's won nine straight divisional round games. That's preposterous. He's almost played an entire season's worth of football in conference championship games. That is 14. This would be 15. He's had a really nice career. Greg has issues. He's, he's divided here on this game. I really, I really am. I'm not going to really be rude. I'll be happy for either team. You know. But, All right. Come on. That's it. That is the preview of the divisional playoffs. Man, the way we set it up, every game is going to be decided by three points or less, it seems like. So um, hopefully we're right. Oh, except for Chiefs game. Which you didn't lock. Well, that doesn't what, – what, so then the other three t- games that you did not lock are also invalid in terms of your prediction. No, I'm just saying I, like, although game I locked strategy up the game wise, that I'm most comfortable it makes about. Sense. I am locking – I had to lock against you for obvious reasons. So that, right. you know, maybe that I would have gone in a different direction. It's true because, you know, Dan was up, up – um, Three games. Three, now two. And now it's two. And so if the 49ers have a lead late, it could be It could be it gets spices. It could it's, be the right anxious, yeah. it's the right move. It's the right move. Good luck to you, Mark. Not really. I want that trophy right here. Right here. Now you got too much stuff over there. I'm going to move all that stuff out. I'm going to make room for it. All right. Thank you to everybody uh, for listening. You'll hear from us again on the podcast side Sunday night, wrapping up all these great games. And you can see us on NFL Network on Saturday morning. Uh, We will have our special divisional round. Uh, one hour around the NFL program. So check that out as well. All right. Till then, remember what you got to do. Always heed the call.